This is an emergency edition of the Cubs Talk podcast brought to you by Wintrust, home of Cubs checking the free ATMs nationwide. The Cubs have traded you Darvish and Victor Caratini to the San Diego Padres. We give you our thoughts and we delve into the reasons behind it. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Let's play two. Welcome to a emergency edition of the Cubs Talk podcast with a massive trade going down between the Cubs and the Padres. We wanted to get you our thoughts on it. It's all brought to you by Wintrust. It's home of Cubs checking with free ATMs nationwide with Gordon Wittenmeyer, Maddie Lee, Tim Stebbins, our producers, Joe Collins and Tony Gill. I'm David Kaplan. The Cubs have moved. We're waiting on confirmation from both teams, but multiple connected sources are confirming the Cubs have traded you Darvish and Victor Caratini to the San Diego Padres for five prospects, uh, actually four, and Kyle Davies, or Zach Davies, the pitcher. So what do you guys think? Gordon, I'll start with you. There's, a, uh, I think, two 17-year-olds, an 18-year-old. Like, this is a deal to move money first and foremost, Right. Let the rebuild begin, Cap. This is no longer retooling. This is no longer threading the needle. They have, uh, they're tanking. I mean, that's, they're not going to like hearing that that's what we're calling it. They're getting Zach Davies back, who can be a functional big league starter for a season for them. So in a really crappy division, they could look like they're making noise and pretend to be competing for division title, but they're essentially tanking going into 2021. And when you talk about the ages on some of these guys and how, low in the minors are going to be. Um, it's probably appropriate that they're not going to be of drinking age for quite a few years because it's going to be that long before we see champagne in the clubhouse again. Maddie, your thoughts as you see this. Uh, for me, it is not a surprise. I've been saying this to you guys for a few months. I think they're going to blow it up. I think they have far more serious financial problems than people want to admit publicly. Yeah, props to you, Cap, for... Uh- I think we pushed back on it a couple of times on this podcast, but you were persistent and you were right. I mean, the last time that you asked about a U Darvish trade, I think what we, we settled on is if that happens, they're no longer, it's what they've characterized it as. It looks like it's headed down a different direction, right? So you're looking at a team that, if they're going to 
continue to to look as strong as they have would have to another pitcher. And I don't know why you would why would you would make this trade and then make another trade for a big time someone who can actually fill the shoes of you, Darvish. I think they should bring back John Lester uh, in order to make this rotation kind of functional, uh, not just a bunch of young guys and Kyle Hendricks. Why would he want to come back here? To, to hit milestones, to finish. Unless he wants to tr- go somewhere he can win because he's got zero chance of doing that here. Yeah, but he, he loved, I mean, he talked about how sad he was. It would all be sentimental, right? It would be hitting milestones with the Cubs, being able to say goodbye to the fans in person, which he didn't get that chance to do. I mean, yes, if he has an option where he can go and win, I all the power to him. But I think at this point, I mean, who, who are we looking at? We're looking at Hendricks, Mills, Davies, Alzali. Lester seems like a guy that you know would be great in the club, really cheap. Um, so I, I see him as a guy who fits your budget and fits your club clubhouse culture. Um, but yeah, it's whether, he, whether or not he wants to come back. So Gordon, or I t- excuse me, Tim, you haven't given your thought yet. As you look at where this team is and you've heard Gordon's thoughts, Maddie's thoughts, my thoughts, are you surprised that they're doing this? Cause the outrage from the fan base is massive. I think my surprise is this does, it, it's a very far, if they're threading a needle, it's very far down the needle, right? Like I, I was talking to Gordon all day. We were following along with all the kind of how the story developed and, you know, seeing it, me and Gordon were kept throwing names back at each other. And one, the couple I kept landing on was like Chris Paddock. He's got a couple years of club control and, or Jay Cronenworth, one of the two, right? Like, I don't, I don't know if it'd been feasible if the Padres would have given up both, but that kind of seemed like a, a reasonable uh, center of a package maybe. And then you throw in a couple of prospects, maybe Davies as well. Um, I was just surprised that, um, that that's not what kind of wound up in this deal. And I don't know if that's by design, obviously. Maybe, you know, the Cubs thought this is a good chance to restock the farm system for uh, the, not just the near future, but the well, not even the near future, the long-term future. But that was what I was the biggest surprise for me. I thought, though, they would get somebody, you know, Davies is only arbitration eligible for one more year. So I thought they'd get one asset who's big league ready, already established enough in the big leagues or have been there to kind of plug into their lineup or rotation starting next season. Hey, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. Let me let me throw this in, too. Because I think, and, and I don't know if you were going to go here next, Cap, but Darvish has not given the Cubs a full season of high-level production yet. A half a season in 2019, nothing in, in 2018. He had a five ERA the first half of 2019. And in 2020, the Cy Young runner-up season was 12 starts. So, I mean, they, they were terrific, uh, 12, a, a terrific dozen starts. But there's no guarantee that he's going to perform like that over the next three years or even next year. Although maybe. And so oh, go ahead. I, I, just, I just think that they are – they they took a shot at leveraging the the highest value that they may ever have for this guy. On the subject of there's no guarantee that they'll get the same thing out of him this year. I think it's a really great move for the Padres to get Caratini in this deal too, because not only does it help their catching depth, oh yeah, but he seems to be part of that equation that's helped 
you Darvish turn around and will absolutely smooth his transition in. I mean, not that you Darvish hasn't made transitions to other teams before. Obviously, he's a veteran guy. He's an established guy. But he and Caratini have such good chemistry that that's just he's going to be able to stip, skip some of those uh, transition steps when he's able to transition in with his personal catcher. Yeah, and this is a guy that's very sensitive too about about uh, sort of he's sort of hyper aware and 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 hyper self aware. He admits that sometimes he thinks too much and comfort zone. Really really, really matters to him. This will allow him to go to a new place and hit the ground running to probably the greatest degree that, that you would have been able to expect. And, and by the way, I think Caratini on any of several other teams might've gotten the lion's share of playing time too uh, behind the plate. So I could see with a, in a, in a place like that where they needed some catching anyway, I could see him getting a lot more playing time, but behind the plate uh, instead of just only being Darvish's personal catcher. Okay, so we have to get into the financial implications of what this means because, you know, I was told by somebody that I trust who no longer works over there who said to me, I'm telling you that team has a billion dollars in debt on their balance sheet, whether it's through Hickory Street Partners or Chicago Cubs. Either way, they're on the hook for that amount of money because of all the renovations, and then you couple in the pandemic with no ticket sales, and we don't know when we're getting fans back, and that's why they're in this position. So I'll let any of you take it. How do you respond to people who go, you're a billionaire family, this shouldn't matter? You screwed up. We've been talking about this forever, where their primary issue, Choose when it's come to what's gone wrong with this team at times in recent years. Yes, there was some some poor decision making here and there along the way, but they haven't spent like a big market team. Yes, luxury tax they they have right, but they haven't backfilled like a big market team. They haven't gone all in since they won, and and it's because of the debt. And and by the way, they tanked out of the shoot to the degree they did because they were in debt when they bought the team. That initial debt subsided over 10 years. It was meant, it was, it, was, it was built, that debt structure was built to get out from under it in a 10-year span. But what they've done is they, they instead turned around and put it into capital investment around the ballpark and, and basically maintained debt at a time that when revenues are coming in, debt is a good business move. Yeah, And then pandemic hit and those teams, including the Cubs, who made good business moves based on this golden goose, were stuck. And that's what's happened. Well, guess who's going to pay for that? It's going to be the fans who have already paid through the nose, paid through the nose for the championship, paid through the nose even more since for what they've gotten back. And now this team is going to essentially tank again because of this issue. And the fans aren't going to get any breaks on that. And they're not going to get a product either. And it's, it's, it's going to be some ugliness. But it, Tim, Matty, I don't think it will be as ugly as it was in 2012, simply because there's just more talent in the system than what they had the day Theo and Jed arrived. Yeah. And uh, maybe, maybe this money kind of maybe helps lead to other moves. Like maybe with all the losses, you free up this money. It helps you get to a hobby extension sooner or Rizzo extension. Um, I will say though, 
like like again, I was talking to Gordon today. We we realized that Darvish was their last big free agent move. It's been you know two off seasons almost going on what three years now. So when I see this kind of move, you know, I, okay, get some assets for the future. The first thing I I wonder when my friends come to me and say, "What are we doing?" We're like they, they say, "We as if like the Cubs." I say. I don't know, but maybe this leads to them spending in free agency next winter. I don't know. It's such a weird time this, uh, that we're in with, uh, with finances. But if you're clearing up this money after a couple winters now of inactivity in the free agent market, does this lead them to maybe being involved next year? That's, that's a question I'm, I keep coming back to. Maddie? Yeah, I think they're obviously are not going to talk about <laughs> – they're never going to say that they're tanking. They're never – going to say that they have to take a step back to take a step forward they're never going to say this is our time but maddie they did that when they got here they said exactly that because, right it's going to take some time and they paid off their vow that it would take time by winning the world series so i'm not convinced they won't say that well, well see, they didn't say exactly that cap well and they uh, didn't say I, exactly that they said they weren't going to spend big for free agents out of the shoot, but they intended to spend for some amateur free agents, including Cespedes and Darvish at the time. Well, I guess he wasn't a, an amateur. And at the Solaire. Time. But they also okay. were very clear. We're, we're not going to win. If you ask Theo, he told you, we're not going to win until 16, 17. Is where yeah, that was after he found out just how limited his resources were when he came in. He didn't know that before he took the job. And part of my right. point is that, so they're in a, they are in a different position. They are in a different position where they don't have to uh, cut all the way down to the same extent and build all the way back up. But if you look at the types of, of prospects that they were targeting, and granted, we could get a different idea from different moves down the line, but just looking at this haul that they brought in, these are guys that are a few years out. And so that gives us a sense of what their timeline is at this point. Don't I don't want to read 100%. Like, I'm not saying that that means that they're not going to be, you know, going deep in the playoffs for another three years. That's absolutely not what I'm saying. But if they wanted to do a quick turnaround, you'd probably see them pushing more for, and maybe they did. Maybe that, that was in their conversations. But the fact that they're able and ready to say, yeah, sure, we'll take these guys, these two 18-year-olds, a 17-year-old who we think have high ceilings far down the line means that maybe that's where they're targeting that kind of resurgence. So if you're a Cubs fan, do you understand why they're doing what they're doing? Or do you feel like owning the Chicago Cubs and you're a billionaire family, it's a public trust, you owe more than that. How would you guys answer that? Wait a minute. You're the Cubs fan, Cap. You tell us. Um, well, I'll give you a couple different perspectives. One, I think I understand that they're having real financial troubles, and so this was the only way around it, A. B, I don't think they're one – Name the free agent, pick any Trevor Bauer or whoever, George Springer, pick the best guy and give him the biggest deal. I don't think he puts you over the top. I do understand that they need a rebuild. I just find it troubling that the San Diego Padres can push all their chips in and go for it. 
the New York Mets owner can say, we're going to spend and we're going to spend big. And then you look and you see the Yankees and they're not spending. So I'm torn both ways. But as a fan, I would hope in a big market with a billionaire family, you could do better than you did to get in this position. Dude, the Yankees will be spending. Cashman came out and said, we will have the highest payroll in the game again. And they expect to bring LeMahieu back. That's their focus. They have targeted focuses and they're going to go after it. Um, Can you picture the cycles that we've already seen under Ricketts ownership uh, Mm -hmm. going on in, in New York. Now that said, they've won a championship since the Yankees have. And yet, and yet the Yankees every year are in it trying, trying to go all in to win except for that they did a bridge season uh, during the season in 2016, pulled it off beautifully with the Chapman trade and, and the Andrew Miller trade. But they're always trying to win. Their fan yeah. base won't put up with anything less, and their ownership won't put up with anything less. Even Boston, which has gone through last place seasons since Theo took over way back in 2002, has, has still won four championships in that span, and they still maintain – their payroll and they maintain the attempts to win their worst season came uh, when they thought they were going to try to win when they, the the post uh, Theo, when they brought Bobby Valentine in and that whole fiasco, but then they won right after that, Uh, run the whole thing right after that. So they put themselves in position to win constantly. The Cubs by not, by, by mostly because of finances, not putting themselves in position intentionally to try to win over and over again. Um, already now, this is the second time in this in this span. This is the second time in 10 years that, that, that we're seeing this happen. And uh, I, there are just other big market teams where they just don't put up with it. And, and I'm not sure that uh, I'm not sure that this fan base should have to put up with that. I don't disagree with you. Again, I understand the position they're in. I'm Understand a pandemic hit them. I understand all of it. All I know is, as you said, the Yankees, they haven't to this point this offseason, but they will spend. The Mets are spending. The Padres pushing all their chips in. The Dodgers, they're at another level. Boston, they're trying to get that thing going again, but they won four titles. So I, I'm as a fan, I think it's very disappointing that you ask someone to watch their TV network, buy their jerseys, knowing, hey, guess what? We gave you a championship. Now we got to clean all the dead wood off the roster. And there is some there. I get it. But, yeah, it's this highly disappointing. Well, Maddie, I was going to say, here's where I'm kind of confused. Uh, Cap, I feel like you said something similar to this on Twitter. This is – Cubs fans, they, they, they're seeing, like, why are we trading Darvish, right? But – the Cubs aren't going to win a World Series with you, Darvish, right? We, I think we can agree they probably weren't going to win one in the next year or two, maybe three they could have. I, I just I just think, like we just said, there's a lot that they have to kind of retool. And if, if you're going to win one with him, it probably isn't until 2023. And at that point, he's three years older and he's probably going to have less value. So I don't think trading him was a bad move. I think what my confusion is, and a lot of Cubs fans maybe feel the same way, and this is kind of a two-part answer, though. It's just that, you traded this guy at his peak value as a Cub and with a team that has a loaded farm system, a top five, a top three farm system, depending on where you look at. Um, and you didn't manage to get any of that team's top 10 prospects. And, you know, I don't, I don't have the, the sky reports. I don't have the, the, what they saw. So 
I'm not saying it's a bad return. I think that's another common misconception or a common thing that people need to take a step back on. Everyone's judging this trade package as if, oh my God, it's, it's horrible. We don't know what these kids are going to be. They're literally kids. I will say at the same time though, even with that being a thing that I just, I just thought it would be a different package and that you maybe get guys who are, you know, top 100 prospects. I think that's the, the gripe, but at the same time, we don't know what they really have in these guys because they're so young. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Yeah, the amazing thing is, Gordon, Maddie, Tim, the fans who are outraged, I can't believe we got this prospect. And they wouldn't know one of these guys if they walked up and punched him in the freaking face. I did. I, I did a research ranking. I did. The problem is baseball article. prospectus doesn't either. I mean, I, I mean, right. That's what we're saying is that the people that do rank these guys aren't ranking them in the top five or even top ten within that organization. Yeah, and I'll say but I was. I was they are within this. the top fifteen, and they're so young. I mean, you'd. You which, just, which means higher risk, which means by definition, higher yeah. risk. So we're, I mean, what it comes down to is we know that the Padres, that this is great for the Padres. We don't know what this is for the Cubs. It could, it, we, you know, we could be looking back at this five year, five, 10 years from now and be like, Hey, look, that was pretty even. Or it could be like, Hey, look at Jed's first big trade. That was a flop. Um, or they, or we could be like, hey, these guys have start, have been part of this new era in Cubs baseball. How fun is that? Totally worth it. Um, but we just don't we don't know at this point, and we don't know what the Cubs know, um, and we we won't for years. I guess we could so, uh, we could we could all just kind of hope that Caps calling Darvish a Buick in a couple of years. Yeah, exactly. I mean, look, I, I get the outrage from the fan base. I get it. I also understand it was a perfect storm of let's keep taking more and more debt because we're going to be able to buy up a half of Wrigleyville and buy a McDonald's in the land and put a hotel there and an office building there. And now Starbucks, who's paying you half a million dollars a year in rent, blacks out their windows and leaves because they can't pay their rent in the middle of a pandemic and didn't feel like they could get a deal done. So you just keep because they got gouged too. Uh, Gordon, did someone put a gun to their head and make them sign the lease? No. Right. But, but th th there's no, th look, the neighborhood's massively changed yeah. and it's, and, and I don't, I don't think you really don't know the character of the Cubs fan base and that neighborhood. If, if 
if the whole idea is to turn that into some kind of uh, high high rent district and and uh, elitist playground. Yeah, it's look, I'm not defending it at all as a fan. It sucks to know opening day your team has no chance of winning. Well, and whatever they do it in a bad division, it is what it is. The sense that I've gotten from fans and granted this is mostly from Twitter. Um, but the sense that I've gotten is that most fans were ready and willing. They understood breaking up the core. They under, they saw what has happened the last few years in the postseason, and they're like, okay, it's time. But I don't think a lot of fans were prepared for a Darvish trade and a Darvish trade means something different. It doesn't mean, hey, we're going to try to diversify this thing. We still can be good. It means, you know how we were saying that we had these two guys at the, that we were building our rotation around. Never mind. There's one who knows what you're pitching. Because at least you knew what your pitching was going to look like before now. Now you don't know what the offense or the rotation is going to look like. Also, I think there was probably an expectation among at least some fans that if, if you're going to trade somebody like, okay, Chris Bryan is one year of club control worth 19 million. He's coming off a 34 game sample. That was, you know, a bad offensive showing. Okay. Maybe it's hard to get something back for him with all those circumstances. But uh, if you trade someone like you Darvish, he's coming off a, a Cy Young runner up. He's got three more years in his deal. And it, uh, the cost av- actually the payroll, the hit payroll hit goes down in the, each year. Um, still obviously a lucrative deal, but I think there might've been an expectation that if you're going to trade someone like him, that if you look at, okay, we, like we said, we don't know what these guys are, but if you see the return, you see San Diego's number three prospect, number six prospect, number eight, whatever. Um, and when you see these other numbers, people are so quick to make judgments on guys they've never heard of who are 17 years old. Well, none of them are pitchers either. Right, Tim? I think that's another pitchers. Yeah. Like, We've talked about like it's it's there is a sense of irony the the last ten years you know the Cubs have said you know we didn't develop pitching well enough and then okay well one way to do it is go and, and trade for it and then and they make this trade that's you know set to go down and it's all you know it's two shortstops and two outfielders so maybe they you know maybe they like the state of the, the pitchers they've got maybe there's maybe they have something that they see that you know it's it's looking better than than what the fans want to give them credit for but it is it's kind of funny in that sense that you didn't get at least one pitcher in the deal. Well, and when we were talking to Matt Dory last week, time isn't two weeks ago, ago, whenever that was, he was saying it's funny because right now we're a little, we're thinner at the higher levels with position players. So, I mean, it sounds, I'm sure that it's a collaborative effort in um, evaluating what, what the talent coming up looks like. And they seem to have identified some holes there. All right, so who, what's the next shoe to drop? I still think they are moving money at all costs. That I still hang on to that. Who's the next one to go? Well, this, this was this was a great move in that regard. I mean, if that's your goal, what what you're getting back? What eight million in salary on Davies, and you're shipping out twenty three in in twenty one salary uh, in in Darvish. So that's a fifteen million. Sal- savings on top of what you were already getting. I think they, they were getting roughly 40 million, maybe a little more than that um, back uh, in, in expiring, uh, you know, contracts and free agents and non-tenders. So, so now you're, you're down, 
<laughs> you're down to, to, to maybe getting under the Padres payroll uh, in, in the mid, mid 100s, 150 ish range, 150, 160, something like that. So, how low do they need to go? You know, do they need to move one more contract in order to add anything? Maybe that's what it is at this point. Uh, it, it would seem to me that they've at least put themselves in position to uh, not have to shed any more money net uh, uh, that they can that they can at, at least take on a dollar for every dollar they they move at this point. I would think um, if that's not the case, then these financials are a lot worse than we think they are, Cap. Yeah, I think they are worse than we think they are. A. B, I would say to you guys, so Len Casper goes to the White Sox. Kyle Schwarber, who's one of the more popular guys in town and a good dude, gets non-tendered. You Darvish finishes second in the Cy Young voting, and he is traded away for guys who are going to their high school graduation virtually. Um, I mean, it's literally at Victor Caratini. There's another. Theo's gone. It's Lester's the, gone. And and then the obvious one, Theo Epstein saw the train coming down the tracks and went, I see that light. I'm getting the H out of here. It's crazy. Yeah. So it is, what does that mean? Is that the equivalent of throwing Jed under the train? Look, I said this earlier. I love Jed. I think he's a brilliant baseball guy. I think Jed is getting paid more money than he ever dreamed of in his life. And he's going to have to deal with, you know, a pile of, you know, what for two, three years till he can get this thing, you know, streamlined financially and the pandemic's over and they have a chance to maybe start to sign guys again. Yeah. It's really sad though. You know, somebody that covered Jed in, in San Diego tweeted out tonight that, that there was a similar trade that he had to make early in his tenure as the yeah, GM in San Diego Gonzalez. with Adrian Gonzalez. But this isn't San Diego. And that's the problem. That's the difference. And that's the problem with this. You know, this is, this is a big market team. This is a team that, I mean, they've been over the luxury tax threshold the last two years. Uh, you know, whether you, you want to say that's, uh, you know, mistakenly or, or because of, uh, you know, goof ups or not, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, but they've also had six consecutive winning seasons. They've had, Five out of the last six of those in the playoffs, that's what they're supposed to be. That's what they were supposedly building toward. And to suddenly take not just a not just a half step back or even a step back, but to to really just just kind of throw a grenade in this thing right now and put it back together for maybe 2022, but more more likely 23, 24 that's going to be awfully tough to swallow for a lot of people. And, and, and I, and I don't blame them for being mad. Well, can I say at the risk of sounding mad, like crazy, does this deal, is there any chance I'm not talking about LeMahieu, Springer, Ozuna. I I'm saying, is there any chance clearing up this salary allows them to get someone, not just someone on a split contract, like maybe a Lestella type for 5 million or whatever. Is that completely crazy? What's the point? Yeah, what does Listella do do for you, or what does any five or six million dollar guy do for you to to get you closer to October? I guess then that 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 goes back to what we said at the beginning. Of this then, yeah, that's not a bad point. That's why, like, I look at a team like the Miami Marlins, and you know they spend literally no money. Well, the Cubs scored one run against them in the playoffs, so people need to give up on the 
Well, they won the division. Who gives a flying rip? That division sucks. And I'm not defending the move they made tonight because as a fan, I think it sucks. I'm just telling you, this thing that they're paying for the Gordon, we've we've gone a billion times over this in a decade. They're paying for their inability to develop young players. No question. There's no question about that. And and look, we've brought this up too. The headlines on that have always involved pitching, mm-hmm. but it's also the position players. And the other thing is the position players that they did develop or the position players that were the style that I mean, Schwarber, um, even, even Bryant, who's, who's, who's actually the highest quality of the bunch, um, have been similar style guys, you know, power launch angle guys with, you know, strike zone awareness. So they'll walk, but, but some of them strike out and I'm not talking Javi's kind of in a class by himself. Um, he, he, he wasn't part of this regime. He was acquired by the previous regime and, and developed under them. Uh, but, uh, so even since this regime came in and developed hitters that have reached the majors and in, and in some cases have had a lot of success, they've been the same type of hitters that they're now trying to cycle away from or diversify away from. And so even that is not exactly an unmitigated success. I hope so, for the sake go ahead, Maddie. hope for the sake of Cubs fans that and this is not to take away anything from the last World Series and what that group did, but I hope for the sake of Cubs fans that if they do have to go through a similar sort of teardown process that at least they'll be reaping the rewards for longer. So before I wrap this whole thing up, so if we look at this team, I know fans are speechless. How much money, Gordon, did they save? Darvish had $59 million left on his deal. And uh, I think it was sixty million. if you add the escalator, but, but whatever, roughly $60 million. Yeah. So you saved that plus whatever you'd have to have paid Victor Caratini. Right. Which would have been maybe a million five in 2021. And he's an arbitration guy for a few more years. So if he performs, if he earns more playing time, that would have gone up from there. Uh, I mean, look for what Darvish showed this year. I I know I made the case that he hasn't done it for a full year and, and that's still the case. I think he's still, a little bit unknown, especially at the age of 34 going ahead, even if his velocity is higher than it's ever been in his life, which is, which is crazy to think of. And he's got more pitches than he used to have. And he says he feels three times better than he ever has, even in his twenties. Okay. But he still has, he still has to do it for a whole year for him to do that for the first time in this contract. But, it, but the signs were there, the indicators were there, right? So if he did do that, that then the rest of that contract is, is a bargain for what you're going to get. No question. So this, so, so the Padres may have, may have gotten a great deal. So to replace that with experience, you're not going to do it. So you, you've got to do that with young guys. You've got to hit on young guys now. And, that, and, that's, and that's pretty damn close to a home run if you're talking about it at that level. Well, I wonder when our next emergency podcast will hit the airwaves and who the next big domino to drop is. I still think they're going to move – Contreras or Bryant or both. I, I still see have that. have a little coming. less pitch or catching depth now, though. 
Yeah, but they. Yeah, I don't know if they. I don't know if they move Contreras now, unless uh, because because Amaya is not ready. I mean, Amaya could come in and be your backup, especially if you don't expect to contend. Kiriti, um, he could have started, but clearly right. that's not an option anymore. Yeah, and and you'll you know you'll go out and get some depth and you know a guy that can be in the wings at AAA or or, or maybe uh, maybe even open the season on on the roster if Amaya is not ready, something like that, but there's not a lot of catching out there and you got to have somebody to catch these guys. So I, I think, I think he sticks. Uh, I, I think he stays and I don't know, you know, I don't know where they're going to get their next value trade. I think, I think this may have been it when it came to, to sort of, you know, rebuilding that pool of young, good hitters. Cause one of the things and Tim did a lot of research on this today, looking over all those scouting reports on these young kids these do seem to profile that are what they want to diversify when we, when I talk about diversifying away from the, 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 the sort of monolithic type of lineup they've had in recent years. And so I think uh, these, uh, these guys are in one case, uh, a pretty fast guy, an athletic guy that profiles as a toward the top of the order tack guy that can hit the ball to all fields. Um, and then you've got, and you've got other guys that are good contact guys that can hit tall fields with, with various levels too. So these are the kind of guys that they were trying to add. And I think this is probably the trade that, that gets them the biggest bushel of that. Um, from here on out, it, it might just be salary dumps and then signing some guys to fill holes. I mean, I, you know, I don't know what else they have. You're not going to be able to move Brian. If you get somebody to take Brian's money, you're not going to get a lot back. Correct. And if, and, and if you, and if you move Contreras, you're going to, you're going to create the kind of hole that you might not be able to fill or, or, or certainly not cheaply, uh, may, you know, maybe cheaply, but maybe n- not, you know, just not even at a, at a really major league level. Um, so uh, they're kind of in a bind right now. And, and this was the asset, this, this, this was the one asset that they could move. Uh, you know, maybe you see something, I mean, why do you need a closer? You're not going to win any games. Why do you need a closer? Correct. Um, so, so you know, Craig Kimbrell, now it's a matter of, well, how much of that money can we get somebody to take? That's a total salary dump if you can get somebody to take half of it. Yeah, if so, they can pull that off. I don't think they'll trade Kyle Hendricks, but I guess nothing should be off the table anymore. The, the thing about Kyle Hendricks, it, it kind of reminds me of, you know, we're, we're in a different era in the game. But the Cubs are kind of, Cubs are inexplicably kind of not. I mean, we we talked about the financials, but you know, for a big market team, doing what the Twins did a decade, two decades ago, when they tore everything down to the studs and yep. got rid of everything was been up this next group of young hitters, which wound up being Torrey Hunter and AJ Przinsky and Doug McAvich and Corey Koski and and a pretty good group of players, but they kept one guy, and that one guy was Brad Radke a guy that knew how to pitch he wasn't overpowering, but his bullpen sessions were immaculate. He could teach a young guy how to prepare. He had the, he had impeccable habits, work habits, routines. That's, that's Kyle Hendricks. And in fact, uh, Ron Coomer, who was with those twins teams back then, I asked him about that once. I said, people keep comparing Hendricks to Maddox. And I said, he reminds me of Radke and he's a really good comp. That's the kind of guy that you keep if you're rebuilding, if you're bringing, especially if they're going to bring in a bunch of young pitchers. And that looks like where they're headed. 
All right, that is going to put a ribbon on a lengthy emergency Cubs talk podcast. The Cubs have traded you Darvish and Victor Caratini to the San Diego Padres for five players, major league pitcher, Zach Davies, and then four prospects, three of whom are still teenagers. Go Cubs guys. Have a great new year. I'm sure I'll be talking to you again the next day or so. We'll tape some more, but you guys have a great rest of your night. Get some sleep. All right. You too. That is a wrap for the Cubs talk podcast brought to you by Wintrust home of Cubs checking with free ATMs nationwide and that really sweet WATM card that may be the only WC around Wrigley for a while. Um, I'm David Kaplan for Gordon, Maddie, for Tim, Joe, Tony Gill. We'll talk to you soon.